I think it works. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's Steve Maraboli. You're listening to the Steve Maraboli Podcast, Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness. How are you all holding up out there? I figured I haven't done a podcast in a while. You know, uh, if you're familiar with me at all, you know I, I go through spurts of doing podcasts. We always keep up with the with the posts and the books and that kind of stuff, but podcasts, uh, I have a, a relationship with them that I that I do a bunch uh, and then I take a break and I do a bunch more. Uh, we weren't scheduled to start uh, doing a, a new season, a new series of podcasts uh, until mid-April, but I figured I would I would dust off the microphone and start <laughs> without everybody else. So shout out to uh, uh, Steph and Chris who helped me get this stuff together and shout out to all of you who sent in questions. Uh, I just wanted to connect. Listen, we're going through some stuff in the world. And I know uh, this podcast, I'm really, really blessed that this podcast is listened to in over 100 countries. Um, So I take that seriously, which is why I take breaks, because I don't want to keep saying the same stuff over and over again. I don't want to turn into a a character of myself uh, where I'm just performing for podcasts. So I take breaks and uh, I, I take it seriously that you all listen. So thank you so much for listening, for sharing, and for sending in your questions. And for those of you out there who are stressing, who are, I don't know, we're, we're, we're in social distancing, quarantining for different days, depending on where you are in the world. You might be at it for a couple of weeks already. You might be new at it. Wherever you are, just remember, pay attention. You know me, I'm all about the paying attention. These are the opportunities. These are the moments that allow us to really take stock in our lives. Like you're not going to control anything out there. You're not, you're not going to control. So you can only control you, right? So yeah, social distancing is great <laughs> or, or what I call just regular life. <laughs> For those of you whose lives drastically changed, I'm not one of them. Uh, I tend to be an introvert. Uh, so, so social distancing is pretty much what my life looks like uh, aside from hitting the gym uh, and time with family. It's pretty much what my life looks like. So uh, not a huge change for me, uh, taking food out instead of eating it at restaurants, that, that kind of little adjustments. But uh, the, some of you are, are having huge adjustments. And either way, this is a great opportunity for you to just pay attention. I take these moments, these chaos moments, these, these moments of, of mess in your life, right? When life gets messy, I like to find the message in the mess, right? It's kind of corny, kind of cheesy, but incredible opportunity to do so. Find the message in the mess. Who's who and what's what? That's what you see in, oppor- in, in moments like this. That's the opportunity you have to see uh, in moments like this. Who's who and what's what? Who, <laughs> who do you miss? Who do you not miss? Who did you think you'd miss, but you don't miss? <laughs> like These are the things where we start taking stock emotionally, spiritually, Uh, of things that we normally do physically. So what do I mean by that? I mean that as you as you go through life, you start recognizing, hey, when I eat this food, uh, it makes me not feel as good as if I eat this food. And you start, and I know if you're listening to this and you're young and dynamic, you could pretty much eat anything. And you're like, what do you mean? Food has an effect? No way. But I promise you, (laughs) 
it has an effect. And so as you start navigating through your life, you start realizing, wow, I had to cut down on this kind of food because it doesn't make me feel well. It just, this, this one hurts my stomach. This one, you know, little, little things that uh, I feel uh, lethargic. I feel you start using words like bloated. You start using those words. And I know the younger side of the audience, you're like, nah, because you know why? I used to think, nah, but guess what? Totally. <laughs> Bloated is a thing. Uh, upset stomachs are a thing. Some foods react differently to your body, to your mood. That's a thing, believe it or not. So for those of you who understand what I'm saying also, this is a great opportunity to do that with people. There are people who don't sit well with you and you didn't realize it until you had to take a break from them. You know, when, when uh, one of the, the quotes from a book that's uh, popular on our social media is one where I said, um, as I got uh, older, I started to cut out food that was bad for me. And as I got wiser, I started to do the same with people. I meant that, and this is the opportunity to do that. You start recognizing where in your life you could feel better, create a life that's more conducive to the goals that you have. That's really, really important. And I didn't know until I changed my food habits. I, I always thought I felt fine. I always thought that, oh, you know, this one, sure, I feel better or more lethargic here or there. But I always thought overall I feel fine. Until I started eating healthy, until I started eating more clean and started uh, um, eating less junk and that kind of stuff, as soon as I started to eat healthier and feel healthier, I started to realize, oh wow, I didn't realize how crappy I felt <laughs> until I felt better. Uh, and that, that along the way starts helping you make better food choices. But the same is true with people. So Sometimes when you take a break from that person and you get over the addiction to that person, because don't forget, it's all chemical addictions, basically. Even food, it's a, it's a chemical addiction. The reason why you have cravings is because you are chemically addicted to that food. You're sometimes chemically addicted to the chemicals in that food. You're, you're addicted to the habit of that food, that kind of stuff. So you really, the reason why diets and all that are tough is because you're fighting an addiction. You're fighting a chemical addiction. Where that's lost and not spoken about enough is when it comes to people. But people, it's the same mechanism. People create a chemical within us. People are a chemical addiction to us. So sometimes, just like any other chemical addiction, any other drug addiction, which is a chemical addiction, sometimes we can become addicted to things that are really, really bad for us, even though there are moments they make us feel really, really good. If this is making you feel uncomfortable, you're the one who should be listening to this the most. So there are people in our lives who we are chemically addicted to, even though they're not good for us. I've had people in my life like that. And I've been that person for someone else as well. And so you have to recognize that. And this is the opportunity to, to recognize that. Sometimes we can't tell, you know, you ever listen to, to someone who, who did recover and, and is in recovery from uh, a chemical addiction, a drug addiction. 
They'll say, you know, I, I didn't realize how bad I was until I got better. But there's that, that space between when you're fighting off that, that camera, when you're having those withdrawals, right? And again, it's so interesting how we, we have a play on words. When it's a chemical, we say you're having a withdrawal. But when it's a person, we don't use the word withdrawal. We use the word missing. I'm missing them. I miss them. Well, you're having a chemical withdrawal. That's what's happening. It's the same mechanism. You're using a different word because we view it differently. But just because we view it differently doesn't mean that it's different. You're having a withdrawal from a person, the chemical that they induce in your body when you're together. Whether it's good for you, bad for you, whether it's enriching your life or destroying it, you miss them. Just like the meth addict misses meth. We just call it a withdrawal and they'll be on the floor and they'll crying and they're wishing they're ready to lie, cheat and steal to just get that thing back in their lives. This is applicable to people as well. And it's moments like these, messes like these in our lives that we can find that message, find the who's who and the what's what. When, when, we, when we start limiting the social distancing, when we start socializing more, how, how do I create a spring cleaning? Or if you're on the other side of the planet, an, an autumn cleaning of, of people in my lives. How can I take this, this fasting of humans, right? We're, we're having a human fast right now. How do I take this fasting of humans and, and when I break the fast, how do I begin healthier habits with the people and food that I bring back into my life? The way that I nourish my life, not just with food, but with people. How do I maintain this good happen? How do I find this message in the mess? So pay attention to the who's who and the what's what. Who do you feel more stressed around? <laughs> don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. There are some people, there are some people that you just say hello and your heart, your blood pressure already went up. You already having an anxiety attack just being near them. We know that's what that is. We know, we know, we all know people like that. So pay attention to those. And then there's other people who, when you're just around them, it just feels good. Some people are walking rainbows. You know, people, some people are just, you see them and you just want to, you want to be close to them. Like, just hang out with you. You don't even say anything. I just hang out with you because they're walking rainbows. They're, and, and so there is that in our lives. So let's pay attention. There's also that you are that in their lives. So pay attention to which one you might be, to how your demeanor sets off and, and what causes that. You know, I, I am never, I'm the first one to... You know, to look upon my life and say, oh, where, where have I been medicine for some? Where have I been poisoned? And there's plenty of, of, of times I've been uh, poisoned. And I look around and I, and I say, okay, well, this is really bad, but this is also what you were doing then. Your whole life around you was poison. You were eating poison. You were surrounded by poison. That's why you were poisoned. You didn't have the, the, the courage to get rid of the poison around you so you could be at your best self. So just like I look at that for myself, take this opportunity also to look at that for yourself in case you weren't living your best life. Recognize the poison around and create an environment conducive 
to the best version of you. That that's what that's how I use times like this, uh, and that's how I uh, I think is just the best way to use uh, this time. So, for those of you out there going through this, uh, I'm with you. I, I'm alongside with you, and I want to get to some of your questions because uh, you were writing in, and 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 if I don't, you guys know me well enough to know that if I don't shut up. If I don't move on, this will this podcast will be one a one hour introduction. <laughs> it will be one hour of me saying hello. Uh, so uh, cheers to all of you out there. Uh, first question comes from, let's see, um, comes from let's do Arkansas. Uh, regretful in Arkansas. Hi, regretful. You could you could throw your name unless you don't want me to say your name. Then yes, I'll just say regretful in Arkansas. She writes, Steve, how do you make someone forgive you? Is there something I can do to prove that I am sorry? What if they don't forgive you? That uh, is three questions, and I will get to all of them. Let's do the first one. Uh, how do you make someone forgive you? Uh, you don't make anyone do anything. Uh, you, uh, f- as far as for- forgiveness, you know, change of behavior is on you. Saying sorry is on you. Forgiveness is on them. So you can't make someone forgive you. Um, is there a second question? Is is there something I can do to prove that I am sorry? Um, yeah. Well, the first thing I think. Uh, the least of these things is saying, I'm sorry, but you should say it. 100% should say, I'm sorry. But that is least of what will prove it, to answer your question. So definitely start with, I'm sorry. Take accountability. And then how you prove it is how you prove anything with action. Behavior change says, I'm sorry, so much more than words ever will. So change your behavior. And if you identify that for yourself, then find the mechanisms and and change those uh, behaviors. That's how you prove you're sorry. Uh, and then the last question is, what if they don't forgive you? Again, that's not on you. That's you trying to to control something or have a, a, a have con- have control over something you don't have. You don't you don't get to tell someone they can't be hurt. You don't get to tell them they have to forgive you. You don't get to do any of that, especially if you hurt them. You don't get to do that ever anyway. But if you hurt someone, you don't get to tell them they should be over it or they should forgive you. A younger version of me would have argued that, but this wiser version of me realizes how silly it is to think you can control someone else. Your job is you. Take accountability for your shit. Take accountability for for where, as I said before, Take accountability is where you were poisoned in someone's life, where you may have wronged them. Take accountability and and take note of it. Don't just look at it. Roll around in it. Roll around in the mud of your behavior and say, okay, how do I change this? Sometimes we we look at our our own nonsense and we kind of just glance over it because it's it's it seems like a lot. You're not sure how to change it. Sometimes it's embarrassing to even look at your own behavior, even if you're in your own head to be like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. Oh man, I can't believe I behave that way. Oh, that's so shitty. Like, believe me, I've had all those thoughts, but the only way you can change it, the only way you can change it is to take accountability and say, okay, well, how do I get better? What did I do here? What was that? What was wrong with what I did? And why did I do that? Let me change that. Also, 
What are the surrounding factors? What was I feeding my life to create this version of me? Let me address that. Also, let me offer a sincere I'm sorry with words. Then the most important and the most lasting. Those words I'm sorry last about as long as you just heard. Hey, I'm really sorry. Boom, what was that, about a second? So those last a second. What comes next is something that should take your entire life, which is changed behavior. Let's not make that happen again, not just to them, but to anyone else and, and not to you, not to have you in that situation again. So you change your behavior. The greatest apology is change behavior. We know this. Um, in, in the uh, book that, so we had the uh, Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness book, which, uh, which was supposed to be released uh, uh, April 18th. Um, um, and of course we're not, we're not releasing it. I think the new date, um, uh, I, I want to say, uh, I think they said just the 4th of July. I like to release things on important days, uh, where, so April 18th release date was because that was my birthday. So I'm like, Oh, a, 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 re, a birthday, you know, a celebration of something new. Let's release the book on that day. Um, so the next, uh, the next day I think was July 4th. So we're going to release that book July 4th. I just don't believe in releasing a product, uh, during a global pa pandemic. <laughs> I just don't believe in that. Of course we continue with our quotes. I will never stop, uh, having them call the books and shows and speeches and podcasts and radio shows and interviews, uh, and continue to share quotes to inspire, empower, educate, and entertain people always. We on, on all major platforms, we share quotes multiple times a day. Uh, and I think at, at, at peak in 2019, uh, at peak one month, uh, our, our pages, our quotes reached uh, 170 million people. So that's incredible to me. And, uh, and so we'll always continue to do that. As far as a book releases, you guys know, I do them here and there. Uh, and and uh, this is one that uh, I'm really proud of and I love. Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness. It was going to come out the 18th. I just don't believe in releasing a, 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 a marketed product during a global pandemic. So 4th of July, uh, Independence Day in the United States of America, uh, I think is a great day to talk about freedom and, and liberating yourself from, from uh, outdated ideas, liberating yourself from your own self-imposed nonsense, liberating yourself from limiting ideas, uh, and that's a great day to do that. So that's the new one. But in that book, the reason I bring this up uh, in relation to regretful in Arkansas's question about forgiveness and changing behavior. How do you prove you're sorry? In that book, I, I wrote something on this. Uh, it's called sorry as a verb. And you'll, you'll find some of these. We release some of the pieces from the books. Uh, we, we release some of them in the blog, uh, in, in the Steve Maraboli blog, which is found at stevemaraboli.net. Um, and so this one was called uh, sorry as a verb. And I talk about that. Um, this is what I write in it. I have done some deplorable things. I have betrayed in ways that make me disgusted and embarrassed at the same time. I used to think saying sorry was enough. I used to feel that since I was incredibly kind, generous to 99% of my life, that the 1% in which I was horrible didn't carry much weight, as though there were some sort of general balance on a scale. 
It was a very egocentric way of looking at things and, and a great way for me to be a coward who can continue his cycle of toxic behavior. What a selfish perspective uh, that was to, to, to keep, and it kept me from seeing uh, that for some people, that 1% bad behavior was 100% of their interaction with me. So it's no wonder a simple I'm sorry did nothing to ease the pain I caused nor affect the cycle of my behavior. Personal growth isn't always pretty or poetic. Sometimes it's an appalling realization that you're an asshole. A moment of clarity that inspires the kick in the ass you need to make changes. Don't just say, show. When a person matures, sorry becomes alive. It comes to life. Its, its emphasis is placed on demonstration more than vocalization. I learned that in, until the moment of clarity that, that you're exponentially more likely to continue the poisonous behavior unless you realize that. When sorry becomes a verb, behavior is changed and healing can begin. So regretful in Arkansas, you, you can't make someone forgive you. Uh, you can't do anything if they don't forgive you. The only thing you can do is say you're sorry and more importantly, show you're sorry. Change your behavior, not just for them, for you. Because in the reality of it, before you wronged them, you also wronged you because you're better than that. And if you're asking this question, it's because you're aware somewhere deep in there that you are better than that and you want to change. And if you are somehow seeking outside permission to change, consider this it. If you want to see something different, be something different. Decide that you're better and then be better. You can't just wish it and hope it and dream it. You can't just do that. That changes nothing. The only thing that changes something is when you act upon it. Like Einstein said, nothing happens until something moves. We live in a very physical universe. I know there's endless conversations about spirituality and where we go when we die. And I don't know, and neither do you, and we can, we can have endless, beautiful conversations about that stuff. But what I do know is that while we are here interacting with each other physically and in these physical lives and this dimensional plane and existence and whatever you want to call it, while we are here, we are in this dimensional universe that requires action. And just like you can have all the most Olympic thoughts in the world and you can vision board people with six-pack abs and you can vision board exercise routines and you can favorite all of, the, all of the exercises and diet foods on Pinterest, you can do all of those things. But the reality of it is until you do one push-up, one sit-up, or one jumping jack, you're not even a step closer. Einstein said, nothing happens until something moves. So if you want to change your behavior, change it. Decide that you want something better and move in that direction. You don't even have to be so clear on what, what better means. Just move in that direction and you'll start realizing a couple of things. One, you probably could have done this a long time ago. And two, you'll also see the who's who and the what's what. 
you'll be able to see, oh man, I, this is, this doesn't help me get better. You know, you, you start creating not only a better inside, but a better outside, a better environment. I can't stress this enough. A better environment conducive to growth. Um, it's, it's, I sometimes say that like, if you're on a diet and you want to eat healthy, you can eat healthy at a mall food court. You can, but it's really, really hard because you are surrounded by non-healthy options. And then there, if you look and you seek and you pick and you choose and you say, no, this, say that, you can pick some healthy options, but the environment isn't conducive for it. You really have to work hard to eat healthy in a mall food court. So you're better off if you want to eat healthy, eating somewhere else, right? Well, your life is like that too, not just externally, but internally. So when you pay attention and say, okay, I want to live a better life, but you're surrounded by unhealthy people, people who are not conducive and unhealthy habits, habits that are not conducive to the healthy life that you want. It's also can be done, but it's going to take a lot of energy and it's going to be really difficult to not fall into and become part of the environment you've created. So keep that in mind. And also keep in mind, you know, your last question, a regretful in Arkansas, uh, your last question where you say, what if they don't forgive you? That That isn't up to you. But I also want you to pay attention to your behavior and recognize that there, this isn't just you. Sometimes there are people um, who who don't ever want to forgive you. So they don't see any changes you've made. It doesn't benefit them. Whatever the reason may be, they hold you in a place and it's their right to hold you there. But sometimes you also have to emotionally protect yourself from people who refuse to forgive you. This isn't talked about enough. Where you accept responsibility for the damage you've created, accept responsibility for, for uh, your, your bad behavior, the damage you've caused. You say you're sorry, you change your behavior. And not only, not only are you not forgiven, but the offensive is on. <laughs> That is almost never talked about, but we will have to take emotional defense on that as well. There are some people who the, the, the pain, your pain, like your level of sorrow will never, to them, will never reach their level of hurt. So the two don't meet. So you'll never be sorry enough. You'll never bleed enough for them. So you have to pay attention to, to how you view others. Are you forgiving? Are you this way with someone where, where they can't? They're almost like indebted to you. I, I, call, them, I call them emotional loan sharks. And for the younger generation, a loan shark was it's almost like this mobster kind of uh, figure who they would, for people who couldn't go to the banks, uh, they would loan them money at 
obscene interest rates and you're almost guaranteed to never be able to pay it back and you know in 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 classical kind of mobster uh form they come you know come beat you up and come hurt you and that kind of stuff and 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 so i call these type of people emotional loan sharks there are people that 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 you can never be they feel that you are emotionally indebted to them because you hurt them. Now you have to pay attention to that you're not this person and you also have to pay attention that you are not focusing so much energy on a person who's being this to you, the emotional loan shark. So no matter no matter what you do, they feel that you are emotionally indebted to them. And no matter how sorry you are, no matter how much you change your behavior, they feel you owe them. And because the, the emotional interest rate is so big, you will never overcome that interest rate. You will never make up for it. And in your head, you could say, I did this, but look at all the good I've done. It doesn't matter. They're emotional loan sharks. You will never overcome that interest rate. They will always feel that you are indebted to them. And like loan sharks, because they feel you are indebted to them, they feel justifying, they feel justified in hurting you every chance they get. Make sure that you are not being an emotional loan shark to someone else who you feel is emotionally indebted to you. And make sure that you are performing emotional self-defense from an emotional loan shark in case you are in a situation where you clearly wronged someone you, you said you're sorry, you change your behavior, you're doing everything to make up for it, and it seems that it is insurmountable, you may be dealing with an emotional loan shark. Pay attention to that. You will never catch up. You will never overcome the interest rate, and they will always feel like they can hurt you whenever and however they want because you are indebted to them. So pay attention to that. Folks, you're listening to the Steve Maraboli podcast, Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness. Of course, you could check out our social media pages. I think I'm just Steve Maraboli everywhere. I th- um, Facebook is author Steve Maraboli. Um, I don't know why that one's different, but Facebook's author Steve Maraboli. Um, and Twitter and Instagram is just Steve Maraboli. One word. We are verified blue verified check mark on all of our social media pages and those are the only ones we use by the way so this month i remember uh we had a we had a crazy beginning of the year now every year we have imposters and we put up those those things those reminders on our pages like hey you know make sure that you're only dealing with me and uh you know i'm not going to reach out to you and I don't initiate conversations on social media. If you guys send a direct message, most likely we'll answer it. I'll answer it. Um, and I tend to answer an audio response because I just don't love texting a lot. So I'll tend to just shoot over a quick audio response. Um, but 
uh, throughout the years, more and more imposter Steve Maraboli pages have been popping up and, and reaching out to, uh, to our followers, our friends, our, our lists. And, uh, some of them are really bad. Like it'll be like, hello, great fan. I created a special page where I can just interact with the people who love me, <laughs> like something like that. Like, and you'll see it coming and you'll let us know, Hey, there's an imposter page, but some of them are pretty good. Some of them are, 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 are I won't say well-worded, but worded well enough to not hit your bullshit detector. Uh, and they'll usually try to sell tickets to an event I'm not doing or an event I am doing, but they'll be like, oh, but this is the secret page for my special fans. I know you're a special fan. So if you want VIP access, <laughs> so just know that's not us. I'm never going to do that. So that's not us. I'm never going to say, hello, great fan. Like it's not, I'm not going to initiate a message. I love you all. I appreciate that you're sharing our stuff. I'm just not that guy. So um, it, please make sure that you're dealing with our blue verified checkmark pages. Uh, and if you want to interact with our page, please do. If you want to interact in the comments, please do. Uh, if you want to send direct messages, sure, please do. Uh, we get a bunch, so I get back to as many as I can. I travel a lot or when we're not in, in global pandemic, I travel a lot uh, and I get I get back to a lot of them. Again, most of them will be through audio messages and an excessive use of emojis. I know I annoy all of you. I like emojis. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm a very facially expressive person, so emojis come in handy. Um, but in another thing, if you are dealing with imposters, know that they can't do that. Uh, they can't, they can't uh, first of all, use our blue verified checkmark pages, but they also can't send you audio messages. They can't do anything like that. So just be smart. I know there was one person who who she was on to them and she was like, I demanded that that <laughs> that he did an audio message or an audio call. And I said, but but didn't you know you weren't talking to me? I have enough podcasts and radio shows and interviews out there for you to know what I sound like. She's like, yeah, but he but it sounded like more of like a european guy and but he said he had a cold <laughs> like come on man you gotta be a little smarter than that but uh stay alert i'm not gonna sell you tickets uh vip tickets i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna sell you signed copies of the books like that and i'm sure shit not gonna do it on private dm if any sort of anything ever like that were to happen it would just be on our regular pages uh, we would tell everyone, not just, you know, great fan in Michigan. Like We're not going to individually reach out. So just pay attention to that. People are crazy. People are weird. What are you going to do? Um, uh, everyone just does their thing. So I don't, I don't get too crazy about it, but just make sure that you're, you're staying uh, alert out there. We had a, we had a very serious one, um, I want to say last month, for some reason, January and February, we took down so many imposter pages. Last month was one, and I happened to be coming back from jujitsu on the train, coming back from jujitsu, and someone sent the DM like, uh, hey, I just want to make sure it's you or whatever it was. And, and we get those a lot. So I sent back the usual message where um, I say, this is the first time I'm hearing from you. 
because uh, you know in your DMs it tells you it's a new it's a new thread. You know this isn't a person who's been in contact with you. So the first time I'm hearing from you, we've had a lot of pages going up. Please make sure that you only deal with our pages. Uh, this is me. I am the only me. I usually throw a laughing face or something in there to kind of diffuse their horror as they realize they've been talking to an imposter. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so she she writes back. Excuse me one sec. <clears throat> she writes back and she says. Um, well, I'm I'm certainly glad that I I connected. So I sent her a couple of voice messages and and so re- to verify that that it's me. And she writes back. She says, you know, I'm so glad that I sent this message just on a whim, but before I flew to New York. Ah, before you flew to New York, what do you mean you were gonna come meet whoever this is? And so, for me at that point, before that. I had always said, oh, they're just selling stuff. And, and again, they, they have, because they're not me, there's a million red flags along the way. Like some people were like, oh, they, they were selling VIP seats to a show that you were doing. It was a private show. That's why it wasn't online. It was a secret show that you're only doing for special fans. And I said, okay, there's a million flags that you ignored. And they said, also, you had to pay for the VIP seats with Amazon gift cards. I'm like, how many flags do you need? Are you kidding? Um, But this one wasn't that. This one was um, just back and forth uh, conversations. And by the way, they use like... Uh, different like um, different apps like messaging apps like those those different type of messaging apps I only use um, I, my cell phone is public you know it's, it's on our website so I will text you through my iPhone I will text you through our social media pages again blue verified checkmark and and no other app I'm never gonna tell you to meet me on an app private it's never gonna happen and so she was texting with imposter me and apparently they were talking about meeting. So I'm like, holy shit. What, this is the first one where like, what, the, the guy, I don't know what they could have had planned, but I do know that they had a, a it had to be a short thought process because she's going to figure out instantly, you're not me. So that's a really scary one. So definitely pay attention. Uh, and I'm definitely glad that we caught on. Um, but pay attention, be smart, and more importantly, pay, pay attention to the blue <laughs> verified check mark. Excuse me while I take a quick drink. <clears throat> All right, so Riley in California. <clears throat> so happy you're back, so happy you're doing these again. My question is about when it's okay to accept disrespect and when I should say something. Is it too late to raise your standard when it comes to friendship relationships? If I don't set them in the beginning, I don't want to lose the relationships. Um, no, it's first of all, it's never too late. It's never too late, and it's the saddest thing that we have to ask permission from outside to set standards in our lives. I totally get it. I do because I'm everything I write about. I am the 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 perpetrator and the victim of like is a most of them are messages to me, and so yes, I get that. And listen, don't Riley, don't this is Riley in California who wrote that, so thank you. Uh, don't confuse familiar with acceptable, right? So just because something's familiar doesn't mean it's acceptable. Toxic relationships can fool you like that. 
toxic relationships can make something that 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 feels familiar become acceptable and so it's it's that idea of that like kind of boiling frog behavior you know you guys know like the the boiling frog method so one of the methods of influence that are big is is called the boiling frog method where the idea that if you boil water and throw a frog in it it'll jump out because it's too extreme right away right but if you leave the water room temperature, put the frog in it, it'll sit there. And then if you just bring that water to a slow boil, it'll sit there for its death. It's called the boiling frog principle. And so many times our relationships aren't intentionally boiling frogged. Sometimes they are, but they aren't often intentionally boiling frogs. They just kind of adapt. And it's kind of like a garden, right? If you don't tend to it, a couple of weeds here and there, a couple of wild things here and there. But if you don't tend to it, next thing you know, you look outside and you're like, holy crap, I got I to gotta fix that. Now, what, what would have been just 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, this is turning into a whole weekend project now, right? So it, relationships happen like that too. It just tends to happen easier and for longer because we don't get to walk out of our front door and, and see you know, the garden, relationships kind of are happening in our heads with these people. So you you don't get to really see it, right? So we often confuse familiar with acceptable in toxic relationships. So no, you don't have to uh, let it continue or else it's going to continue to hurt you. At the same time, you can raise standards. With some people, I raise standards in a brutal New York cut you off way. <laughs> some people are merciless in the standards I raise. Um, but with other people, I, I do I talk about it sometimes. I do make adjustments sometimes. Um, and uh, and, and so, sometimes it's sensitive. Sometimes it hurts feelings. Uh, and, and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with hurting their feelings for to make a healthier relationship between the two of us. Uh, I don't intentionally mean to hurt it, but sometimes people don't, don't like hearing that, that maybe something they're doing is unhealthy. People don't tend to be so self-reflective like that. Uh, and that's okay because the true friends, which is going to be most of the people that you, you go to gingerly this way, the true friends are going to make those adjustments and they might even come back with a couple of your own. Yes, you know what? I am going to do this. Also, since we're talking about this, maybe you can X, Y, Z. And listen to that with the same respect. You can actually strengthen your relationship instead of losing it. You can actually strengthen it. Some of them you will lose because some people don't like when you leave the box they've put you in. Sometimes growing, refining, improving, enhancing your life. Sometimes you outgrow people. Sometimes when you set new standards in your life, some people drop off, some people leave, and you just got to let them do that. Some some people are are great for other people. <laughs> you know, that's just the truth. It's just the truth. Some people don't jive with the outdated uh they only jive with an outdated version of you. And when you update yourself, they don't jive with that because they're not ready to update themselves. And that's okay. That's okay. We have to allow for that in our lives, but you can't stay small or stay outdated for someone else. You can't. You'll never be happy that way. It just doesn't work that way. You'll always feel that thing, that thing inside that reminds us that we're better than the life that we've settled for. So consider making uh, uh, that uh, adjustment. 
Um, and, and just again, it's, it's emotional self-defense. It's emotional fitness. We talk about being physically fit all the time, going for a jog and exercise and diet and blah, blah, blah. We don't talk enough about emotional fitness. It is emotional fitness to have these conversations. It is emotional fitness to deal with the heaviness of what it feels like to sometimes outgrow the people around you. That is an emotional heaviness. That is an emotional gym, you know, a gym session that we have to learn to deal with. We need the emotional fitness. So pay attention to that, Riley, uh, in California. And, and, uh, and no, it's never too late and, uh, and to set standards and raise them, create the environment conducive to your growth and what you want. It's never too late, and you should never apologize for it. But remember that you are dealing with other people who are going through stuff too. So approach it in, 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 with integrity, gingerly or strongly, uh, and, and be ready to listen to what they have to say because you might they might need a change from you uh, as well. Um, And again, it's never too late. Folks, you're listening to Steve Maraboli podcast, Whispers of Genius, Echoes of Madness. Make sure you check out stevemaraboli.net for any information you might have. Popular quotes uh, this week. Thank you, Steph, for sending these to me. Uh, Let's go over the top five popular quotes this week. And I'm guessing that... Stephanie sent these to me so that I talk about them a little bit more. I'll talk to them just a little bit. I've already put you guys through 44 minutes of me blah blahing, So I'll fuck a little bit and then I'll close with uh, something that we posted uh, or going to post that's, uh, I feel stronger now, I think, than ever before. The idea of masters and preachers and gurus. Oh my. Uh, so we'll get to that. But popular quotes this week. It took me a long time to realize the difference between the people we are drawn to and the people who are good for us. Oh, (laughs) is that true? I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. Uh, Yeah, again, it goes back to the correlate of food, right? When I started uh, watching what I eat and eating healthier and being more fit, it, it didn't make pizza less delicious. It didn't make cheeseburgers less uh, appetizing. It didn't make, you know, just toast with butter. Like, <laughs> I'm, I live in New York. Like garlic bread with butter? Are you kidding me? It didn't make it any less appetizing or delicious. But just because I was drawn to it didn't mean that it was good for me. That's something that I had to learn and build new habits for and new agreements with reality and new agreements with my body and new promises to myself. You know, at some point in our lives, we have to stop pointing fingers at everyone who breaks promises to us and look at ourselves and say, shit, man, nobody breaks more promises to you than you. I got to stop breaking these promises to myself. So amongst those new behaviors, we're, we're releasing that idea of, of, of no longer allowing me to make promises to myself. So once I figured that out with food and started learning that mechanism with food, I started recognizing and seeing that correlate, that correlation between these chemical stimulants, whether it comes via my stomach or via people around me. So it did take me a long time to realize the difference between the people who I was drawn to versus the people who are good for me. 
I got to pay attention to that. There is a lot of genetic predisposition that comes with the people you are drawn to. There are a lot of things that you don't control. Again, pizza doesn't become less delicious. And that person that, that, that has every single thing that's going to bring your life to shambles, that doesn't mean that that person becomes less appetizing. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you, that you miss them less. It doesn't mean any of that. I remember what I told you about, about the withdrawals. It just is what it is. So it took me a, a long time to realize the difference between the people we are drawn to and the people uh, who are good for us. And, and, and to build the mechanism of self-love, are you paying attention to this? To build the mechanism of self-love required to not only distinguish the difference between people who are drawn to versus the people you are, who are good for you, but to behaviorally act in the right direction, which is the people who are good for us. And so I'm glad that that quote was popular and I hope that it helped a bunch of people or at least awaken them uh, to the idea that there is a difference. Um, uh, another popular quote, sometimes you need to stop seeing the good in people and start seeing what they show you. Yeah, this is, for me, behavior is everything. Behavior is math. Behavior is the language of the universe. To me, behavior is anything. I almost hear nothing anyone says anymore. <laughs> I'm only watching. Words are, are so powerful, masterful, eloquent. They are incredible. They can be used as art. They can be used to rise up or to destroy. They can be used to make you laugh, to make you cry. To, they can be used in so many ways. But if you want to know who someone is, if you want to know what they want, if you want to know what they're about, if you want to know what's important to them, if you want to know these things, don't bother listening to their words. Just watch. They will show you. They have no choice but to show you. Behavior reveals everything. Be behavior slays the dragon of illusion and just shows you what's what. Now for us, we are masters of seeing behavior and finding a million excuses that go along with what we wish was true. Not that what's true, but what we wish was true. Uh, and we have to stop arguing with reality and look at that behavior and say, all right, I want this person to be good. I want this person to have my best interest. I want them to love me the way I love them. I want them to to be true to me the way I'm true to them. I want them to be honest with me. We can want all those things, but if we're seeing them do the opposite, we have to just say, but they're just not that. And I can continue to argue with reality and, and feel my soul die a little bit every day as I, as I um, put myself in the prison of wishing someone was something they, they, they weren't. Actually, it's worse than prison. Because at least in prison, you can see the bars. When you put yourself in an emotional kind of jail cell, you can't see the bars. You're just wishing and hoping and that someone will behave a way that they've given you no reason to think they're going to behave. Uh, yeah, I stopped doing that. I see people pretty clearly now. Um, uh, famously so, right? So I see people pretty clearly now, and, and I stopped 
wanting or needing to see the good in them. I just want to see what they show me. Show me you're good and you're good. And show me you're bad, you're bad. I, I don't have an emotional connection to it. Uh, you show me what you are. So uh, let's see. Uh, next was <laughs> popular quote. Uh, People who haven't been through shit, seen shit, or done shit t- telling me they would have handled my situation differently. That's my favorite. Cheer or boo, I don't care. Keep your zombie ass on the bleachers because I'm just getting started. <laughs> this is, I'm glad that one was popular this week. That's me and my Shakespearean self. <laughs> Sometimes the New York mixes in with my poetic self and I'm able to, to pen a frustration in a way that people like. So that's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, don't, because when you commit yourself to something, you put yourself out there, you 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 adapt, you go and you go. There's bumps and bruises that come out. All the entrepreneurs out there listening, all the the people who who stepped up, the parents, the 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 the, the people who who kept going, living single, living married, got married early, do whatever you do. You you go against the flow. You put yourself in the arena. You start a business when they tell you you shouldn't. You try this when you don't. You chase your dreams when they told you you should have just stayed on the shore. You go out into the ocean of life, right? You do these things, and what happens because less than 1% of all of humanity does this? You have that means that 99% are sitting in the bleachers, sitting there going, boo, yay, you know, whatever. They're just critiquing you. Oh, you should have done this. Like those people who watch sports. You ever see that phenomenon? Uh, they're watching a football game, watching these laser calibrated athletes. While they sit on their ass on the couch eating chips, they're like, oh, that guy sucks. Does he suck? The laser calibrated athlete that's standing on the field in the less than 1% who worked his ass off his whole life to become amongst the best ever to play these sports. That guy sucks. And your ass on the couch eating chips is just saying, is booing and critiquing. That happens. In all aspects of life, not just sports. So sometimes people will tell me, I, I tell the stories, and I'm, I'm pretty, if you guys haven't noticed, if you're new to me especially, if you haven't noticed, I'm pretty open about about uh, ways that, that uh, I live and, and mistakes I've made and, and good things I've done. And I know that, that again, I know that there's the, the impact that our work has had in the lives of people throughout the you know, two dec two decades I've been doing this. It's absolutely incredible to know um, how many lives are impacted. We get thousands and thousands of letters, and um, people will send messages of, "Oh, you know, you changed our lives. We we met because of you. We met because we we went for it." Here's tattoos. Have you guys seen like the tattoos people get? Like, you know, how crazy it is. And, People will tattoo my thoughts onto their body. That's insane to me, but incredibly humbling and 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 I'm honored. But this came from bumps and bruises. This came from me going for 20 years of doing some things great, some things horribly, being medicine sometimes and poison other times, sometimes being being in heaven and sometimes being in hell, sometimes mingling with God and sometimes mingling with the devil. That's what happens. And you don't always make the great decisions and to have people be like, well, I would have done it this way. When? You've done none of what I've done. 
You've been in zero situations I've been in. How could you say what you would have done when you weren't in those situations and you still didn't do shit? I was in challenging situations and went for it and, and, and quoted globally billions of times. You've done nothing. You reached, you had none of those mountains and barriers and still didn't do shit, but you're critiquing. So for me, I think that came from that. I get so many messages like that on people who are scared to go for it because they're scared of those people on the bleachers. What if they this? What if they that? So when I when I write that as poetically as I did, um, it's really just to remind, let those zombies stay on the bleachers. Get your ass out there. Go win, lose. It doesn't matter. It's the battle of life that matters. The most interesting thing are the scars. Nobody gives a shit about the trophies. It's the scars that make the stories. It's the scars that give the wisdom. It's the scars that offer advice. The trophies, they just sit on a shelf and collect dust. Your scars stay with you because that's what matters. You'll be buried with your scars, not your trophies. So get out there. And that's why I love that quote. People who haven't been through shit, seen shit, or done shit telling me they would have handled my situation differently. That's my favorite. Cheer or boo, I don't care. Keep your zombie ass on the bleachers because I'm just getting started. <laughs> I love that. Um, we got time for, I think, one more, and then I'll I'll do my closing, which is Masters and Preachers and Gurus, oh my. Are you all all right with that? This will make this podcast about an hour. Is that cool with all of you? I can't see any of you, so I'm going to assume you're saying, yeah, Steve, we have, we have a good five or so minutes left, left before we throw our phone from listening to you. So... Uh, give me those few minutes and uh, let's do this. The um, the last one is, uh, last uh, popular quote is, shout out to everyone with an X who bad mouths them, to every dumb dumb who will listen. Don't be dragged into their lonely bitterness. Time reveals the truth. You know what's really interesting about this one, what's really funny, um, is how many, whenever we do like kind of bitter relationship-y kind of uh, posts, they get shared a lot, but what we get is a higher amount of direct messages. Like people who don't want to share it, <laughs> they're like, yes, but they don't want to share it because, again, their environment, the people will read into it. Um, so they'll send us a message. Yes, I'm going through this right now. Oh, my God, thank you so much. This is the worst, you know, that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll get a, a, a an influx of messages like that from people who don't necessarily want to share it but want us to know that they would have shared it or at least happy that we shared it. Um, so yeah, you know, we, listen, the, the, who, you know, if you have an ex, you have someone who, you know, talks shit about you. And that's just the way that that goes. Some of it is justified. Some of it isn't. Uh, remember what I said about emotional loan sharks, you know, if they're still talking shit years and years after, you probably got yourself an emotional loan shark. Let them let, you don't know what, how important their victimization is to their story and their life, you know, and so whatever, let them do their thing. You just be you. If someone's working really, really hard to badmouth you and working and going out of their way to still be talking about you, um, they're probably, you know, they probably need you to be that villain. And you're always going to be a villain in someone's story. Again, if you're not a villain in someone's story, you haven't done shit. 
So what you can do as as the villain in this story, um, the the valid parts, you say you're sorry, and you make your changes, and you become a better person. Uh, and and if they want to continue, you let them continue. More importantly about this quote is don't be dragged into their lonely bitterness. You know, I I, I travel so much, and I've given so many talks in these past two decades, and I do talk to a lot of people who who are stuck in those relationships and they'll talk about their ex and my ex was this, my ex was that. And, and, and of course I always hear narcissist, sociopath. It's so funny because, you know, statistically one of the least things diagnosed is narcissist and sociopath, but it's, it's like a hundred percent of almost everyone I talk to their ex, <laughs> you know, their ex is almost a hundred percent of the thing that is least diagnosed. Right. But my point to that is you, you can, you can be stuck in that, you know, hell hath no fury, right? Than, than someone who's scorned. You can be stuck in that. And I've seen so many people stuck in that when I talk about these relationships. And, and when I, when I talk to people who have, who haven't chased their dreams and they say, they just feel off, they just feel this. And then you start listening. Well, how long ago was this? Oh, it was five years ago. It was 10 years ago. It was 15 years ago. It was 20 years ago. You're like, oh my God, you're throwing away all this time to someone who's not, they're not in that same that, that same idea with you. In Italy, they have an expression translated. It's when you hold a grudge, the other person's out dancing. And, and that makes so much sense. So when if you're still bad-mouthing someone, then you're still holding on to this grudge or, or you are the, the emotional loan shark. And you're still trying to hurt them any chance you get, whether it's to hurt them to make yourself look bigger or better than you are. Um... Or it's to just hurt them because you want to hurt them uh, financially or socially. You know, you're doing, you're committing a, a social act of violence. Whatever it is, they hurt you more than it hurts them. Because those people I do talk to, the sampling I have had of so many people throughout the past couple of decades, they're never follow that up with, you know, I'm bitter and angry at my ex and blah, blah. That, that's very rarely followed up with, and here's my new love and my new fiance, husband, wife. Like, that's never followed by it. It's always a lonely, bitter person who has let X amount of years pass by. If that's what you want, keep at it. But I strongly suggest not to follow that path. So they they should have extended that idea of hell hath no fury than someone scorned. It should be continued. Hell hath no fury, nor loneliness, a more reliable companion than someone scorned. Because if you are scorned and you are hanging on to that bitterness and still hanging on to that bitterness, almost guaranteed that loneliness is your surest companion. That you are going to bed alone every night because the, the, the baggage of that anger is so heavy. It's requiring both your hands, your back, your legs and everything that you haven't been able to pick anything else up. Let go of that shit. Let go of that person that you want to badmouth. Let go of whatever they did. Free yourself from the burden of, of, of re-victimizing yourself. They might have been the worst human ever, but if they're gone from your life, let them be gone from your life. Don't further victimize yourself with the ghost of what they did. If you lose a bet, 
you lose a bet on the play, don't lose the bet again on the instant replay. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're you're betting on, oh, if this team scores, I, I owe you $100. And they score, and you're like, oh, man, here's your $100. And then when they play the instant replay, you give them another $100? That would be crazy. Most of us are doing that. When you hold a grudge, you're losing money on all the instant replays. And this is happening for years. And not only are you losing uh, those stress, those that stress money, you're losing opportunities. I know that I was that person also. I know I met some, you know, I, I was, I was so hurt by, by people or person that I was hurt by that every new person, uh, I, I wasn't seeing them clearly. I wasn't ready just because I was available. didn't mean I was ready. Do you know what I mean? And so I kept bleeding on people who didn't cut me. I kept bleeding on people who didn't cut me. And, and that cost me. Who knows who I met? Who knows what opportunity I had? I don't know because I was too busy. I, w- I hadn't left the other relationship. So here I was trying to start a new one. I hadn't left the other one. If all I'm talking about is the other one, I'm still in it. And if, I, if I'm going out of my way to talk about how I'm not still in it, then you're even more in it than you thought. <laughs> you know, it, it's, you have to pay attention to that. So pay attention to that and free yourself from that burden. And if you are on the opposite end of that where someone keeps bad-mouthing you, then, you know, let them deal with their own lonely bitterness. You move on. You do your thing. People who believe them, they'll believe them, whatever. You just do your thing. Time always reveals. Time always reveals. Time is undefeated, 100% undefeated. So pay attention to that. Last thing I want to talk about, again, this is Steve Maraboli podcast, dusting off the microphone and bringing one uh, to all of you. Last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, this idea of, of the guru mindset. I think I wrote about this in my fir- very first book when that was over two decades ago in, the, in my very first book. And I've, I've written about it a little bit in each book and I talk about it uh, and I've, I've conducted my career uh, alongside of it, of avoiding that kind of guru way of life. Uh, there's, I, for those of you who aren't familiar, I, I went through all that stuff as well. I was knee deep in that and then went through these uh, before it was called podcast, it was called internet radio. And I went through and I spoke to the who's who I had a really popular show and I spoke to the who's who in the, in the spirituality, self-help industry. And I, and over six years, I think it was six years, um, thousands of hours of conversations with all these great minds. And it was really awesome. However, of all the authors I spoke with, there's a handful one handful, not two handful, one handful that were like legitimately good people who meant what they were writing. The rest of them, even though their books were in your library or in your living room or on your on your kitchen table or in your, your work bag or their books were in your homes, but but you wouldn't let those authors through your front door. And each one was heartbreaking. Uh, and finally, what actually ended that show, uh, I remember looking at my production team at the time and I said, I can't, 
I can't give these people a platform anymore. By the end of the show, the show started one hour. By the end of the run, we the last couple of years, we were doing two hours because the only way I felt good about it is if I gave the author one first hour and we would talk about whatever they want to talk about, talk about their books and whatever stuff they were talking about. And then the second hour, I would take kind of making it bringing it down to earth, you know, and making it practical and, and, and in some ways sometimes dissolving some of what the author said because I didn't want my listeners to think what, that that shit was true or that that was the, the best way to go about something. And so uh, finally I looked at my producers and I was like, hey, I, I don't think I could do this anymore. This is just me listening to someone who I know doesn't believe what they're writing. They don't live what they're writing. Uh, at this point, I had gotten to know so many of them that it's like you're writing about, you know, being, a, you know, this million dollar mindset, but you're you don't have any money. And you, you're you, you'll call me privately and say your your house is being foreclosed and your car is being repossessed, but you're writing books about, you know, this magical wealth and wealth formulas and that kind of stuff. Or someone else will be writing about relationships and they'll say, oh, this is how you manifest these incredible relationships. But but you're hitting on me. You're married and you're hitting on me. You're sending me uh, um, pictures of yourself and you're, you're flirting with me every chance you get. And, and so you, countless people like that were talking about uh, manifesting and, and bringing them when law of attraction thing became big, talking about that and again privately reaching out to me and saying, oh man, I don't have any money. How do you build this? How do you build that? Or or people who before the show start, they would be all regular. It's like talking to a regular person. Well, Steve, yeah, let's do this. And we're doing this new program that if they sign up for this for it's a dollar and we'll send them email notices and we'll do this and where it's a good way for us to make money. And then when the show starts, they're like, oh, thank you, Steve. Yes, it's such a great spiritual time. And all of a sudden they turn into like these whispering gurus. I'm like, wait, what happened to the dude I was just talking to? And you're saying, oh, you know, the material world doesn't matter. But uh, during commercial breaks, you'll be like, Steve, plug my thing. That's how I make the money. That's if they, if, uh, listen, you have a huge audience. If it's only a dollar each. So imagine if, if even a small percentage of your audience gives, that's thousands of dollars for me every month. And and then we'd come back from commercial and be like, thank you so much for Steve. You're so amazing. And like, what? I couldn't do it. I felt like I'd have to take a shower after every show. So I just stopped. But along the way, I decided, number one, my social media team, much to their chagrin, uh, I don't ever want to be that kind of guru. I don't want to be viewed that way. That's why my words and my quotes are exponentially more popular than I am as a person. Uh, many people don't know that I'm a you know forty something year old in New York. Uh, they think I'm some ancient philosopher, or, or they don't think anything of. They just to share my quotes. I don't bombard you with videos and all these type of products. I don't do that. I have books, and I barely even talk about those uh, on our posts. So. Um, I've always had that guru connection and, and really filling this in, uh, during these times is, is when times get tumultuous, it's never shocking to me that those masters and preachers and gurus are the ones that kind of fade into the darkness or they offer some sort of nonsense product or some sort of again, nonsense way of dealing with something, but they don't just step up. 
and they wait till everyone's prosperous and 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 has that 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 extra money flow and that's when they come back out so i wanted to close with that and to remind all of you that that you are not broken that you can make adjustments in your life and you can take accountability and 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 live your life to the max and that you could be like me you can you could have you could do incredible things but also be capable of doing bad and and, and make those adjustments you can you can be the hero in a billion stories but you could also be the villain in a few stories so even that's true you can make that adjustment and find your way to not be a villain in any stories you could always make adjustments and that's my point we're all in this together while we're here again where we go after i don't know and neither do you we have our hopes we have our beliefs we have everything but we don't know but what we can know for sure is right now we're here together uh, and let's make the best of it. Let's refine, improve, enhance our own lives to the best of our abilities. So I share with you, masters and preachers and gurus, oh my, we are non-physical, spiritual consciousness experiencing a material human existence. In the scope of eternity, we are spiritual beings that spend a very short time living this human experience. You are already a spiritual being. Always have been. Always will be. Why would you throw away a single human day trying to be what you already are? And why would any of us succumb to the parasitic antics of the countless masters and preachers and gurus? Oh my. For years, century, and millennia, we have had these masters and preachers and gurus trying to teach us to be something we already are. We are enchanted by their charismatic and pain-anesthetizing words, but during this process, we lose connection with our own human potentiality. So we end up with plenty of spiritual solutions to deal with our stressful human feelings, but no practical strategies to avoid those feelings and situations to begin with. We end up buying these books and spiritual and self-help and personal growth sections of the bookstore. And notice, by the way, that these sections keep getting bigger and bigger. We attend these huge expo events with masters and preachers and gurus speaking and peddling their miracle products, talking about transcending your humanity and liberating yourself from the material world, while, of course, charging you very real human money for their products and services. Listen, life is challenging. We all have money issues, relationship issues, health issues, personal issues, professional issues. So, of course, these charismatic orators and brilliant marketers have success selling us their solutions or their secret or their salvation to our problems. But we fail to see that we get caught up in a cycle of needing their anesthesia. Instead of just confronting the issue that causes us the problem to begin with. You have a problem paying bills? That's not a spiritual problem. It's a financial one. Stop looking elsewhere for the solution and deal with it. If you're having relationship issues, 
That's not a spiritual problem. Get your head out of the clouds and put it back into the parameters of your partnership. Deal with your communication issues. Deal with your maturity issues. Deal with your loyalty issues. Deal with your friendship issues. Don't seek an answer from a source that wasn't the issue to begin with. You are already a spiritual being. You have been created with every tool you need to remedy your situation and live your purpose. Anyone who tells you differently either lacks an understanding of the depth of our existence and potentiality or they're trying to sell you something or, or both. You don't have a spiritual problem or a mystical energy problem or a prayer problem or a meditation problem. What you have is a very human problem that can only be fixed in a very human way. Now, of course, while spiritual techniques can offer amazing relief for life stresses, they can't solve the cause of the stress. The reason we see more masters and preachers and gurus, oh my, uh, come into the commercial world uh, and, and, and we watch the associated sections of the bookstore grow and grow is because they've figured out an effective way to offer a simple cure to a problem we don't have. And we fall for it 100% of the time. So if you want true change in your life, you must take responsibility. Embrace the truth that your spirituality wasn't the cause of your stress and it's not going to be the solution either. If you want something different, you must live differently. So incorporate a healthy balance of your spirituality and humanity. Pray, meditate, visualize, and get up and take action that will bring them to life. So pray, meditate, visualize for better finances, then, then make better financial decisions. Pray, meditate, visualize for, for better relationships, but then make mature, love-driven decisions. Pray, meditate, visualize for a healthier life, but then exercise and make better food choices. Live your prayer. Act upon your meditation. Be your visualization. So think about it. How would your life be different if you finally let go of your need to be validated or nourished by the preachers, masters, and gurus and finally looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I'm going to, to breathe life back into my story. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to take action. I'm going to live my life, my prayer, my meditation, my faith, and my dreams. I'm going to live them as a verb. Let today be the day you embrace your spirituality without turning your back on your humanity. Squeeze this amazing human experience for all of its nourishing juices. Take action towards the life you see for yourself. Don't just look at the sky and beg for it. Put your feet on the ground and create it. You are more powerful than you know. Explore the depth of that power today. And while you're doing so, just know that I am in New York sending you so much love, so much uh, hugs, power, all those things as we go through these things together and continue to navigate through life together. Folks, this is the Steve Maraboli podcast. Make sure you check us out on social media. Steve Maraboli, I'm a pretty findable fella. Uh, and of course, check out stevemaraboli.net. Sending you all big hugs. We'll catch you next time.